My dad is one of eight children. When my dad was eight years old, his father passed away very suddenly. Now, fortunately, uh, that family of eight children with my grandmother left behind to take care of them was able to make it. Uh, time, you know, it was it was tight, but they were able to make it because my grandfather had a life insurance policy. Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to One Visit Away. This is a very interesting episode. You'll hear more about it once we dive into the show. But I'm in this episode, I'm really talking about the differences between sales and major gifts. This isn't like a deep dive into all the different differences. But I, I think there's a lot we can learn from sales professionals as major gift fundraisers. And I talk about uh, just a few different instances of that and some of my thoughts I think there's a lot we can learn from sales. Um, I'll leave it at that. I think the status quo in the nonprofit world is incredibly low, and I look to a lot of sales professionals to challenge me every day. Uh, just look at the episode with Jeff Scheffelbein, our most recent episode, uh, a sales professional that I've learned a great deal from uh, in basically every aspect of my life. So I love salespeople. I love sales. I love major gifts. I hope this episode... Uh, inspires you in some way and again if you think you know I, I think this is a really interesting topic if you want to come on the show at some point and kind of present the other side of like why we shouldn't learn from sales professionals uh what are the huge differences between sales and major gifts i'm totally open to that too i think we all have a lot to learn from both industries and want to continue to discuss this very interesting topic to a lot of people. So I hope you enjoy the show. As always, if you haven't left a rating and review, make that your Christmas present to Kevin. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. It really helps the show grow and get into more people's uh, smartphones and they listen to the podcast and we get the word out more. So thank you all so much. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas and hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of One Visit Away. This episode is airing the week of Christmas, so very. Uh, I wish all of you a very Merry Christmas. Now, this episode is going to be a little different. First off, it's a Kevin Fitzpatrick solo episode, and uh, so that's a little different in itself. Then the other thing is, I'm not only going to be telling you stories this time. This is going to be a little bit more of uh, Thoughts with Kevin, and hopefully you enjoy that. This was inspired by my most recent, one of my most recent posts on LinkedIn. And again, if you guys aren't following me on LinkedIn, I post stuff there basically every day. I believe extremely actionable content that is going to help you close gifts. I've already had several people reach out to me and tell me that your posts on LinkedIn have helped me adjust my behavior and I've closed gifts because of them. So I'm super excited about that, that it's helping people. And I'm going to read you guys this this. Uh, post I made from LinkedIn in a moment, and then we're going to talk about sales and how it relates to major gift fundraising. So I started out with a quote. I said, sales and major gift fundraising are nothing alike. That's the end of the quote. And then here is my commentary. 
I say BS. I've encountered several people who believe this, and I don't understand why they teach it to new development professionals. Ultimately, I think it comes down to a lack of understanding of what sales truly is. Of course, major gift fundraising should not at all be modeled after slimy sales techniques, but sales done well is incredibly rewarding and honorable work. Some of the similarities between high performers in major gifts and sales. One, they keep a full pipeline and know how to schedule visits or meetings effectively. Two, they find out and understand what their prospect's problem is long before they tell them about their solution. Three, if they find out that their solution will effectively solve their problem, they directly ask for an order so that the prospect can take action and start seeing the results they desire. Four, they know that the fortune is in the follow-up and act accordingly. Five, when they have a satisfied customer, they ask for referrals. Of course, there are some differences in sales and fundraising, but nothing alike. Do you agree or disagree? What's something you've learned from sales leaders? Let me know in the comments. So I posted that on a Tuesday morning at like 6.30 a.m. Just thought it was going to be like any other post. And uh, basically, I just thought it was like a, of course, uh, it is not true that sales and major gift fundraising are nothing alike. But 62 comments later in about the first 24 hours, and uh, I realized this is a topic people are very interested in. So we're going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to share some of my thoughts. Primarily, I just want to say there is a boatload we can learn from sales professionals. Why do I think sales is so important for us to study as major gift fundraisers? One, the profession has been around for a lot longer. There's a lot more people who have done it. There's a lot more people who have done it at a high level. There's a much greater amount of money that's spent on learning, on training, on writing books, on figuring out what are the best techniques than there is in fundraising. And so, I mean, like simple things, like if you want to know how to schedule a visit effectively, there is infinitely more literature and high quality, excellent content from people who have scheduled tens of thousands of meetings in their career versus there's only a handful of books I found that maybe drop a chapter or two on how to schedule visits in the nonprofit world. You're much better off reading a book like Fanatical Prospecting to learn about how to schedule visits. People like Jeb Blount, who have studied this their entire career and have made probably hundreds of thousands of phone calls and emails and texts to schedule meetings know a lot more about this than basically any of us in the fundraising world. There are a few people out there. I'm a huge, huge fan of Jerry Panis, Tom Suttis. I think they do, though they did incredible work and know a lot of what they're talking about. But again, I like in Jerry's in Jerry's books, I love everything that guy writes, but there's not a lot in there about how to do it effectively. I think there's a chapter or two in uh, in either, I don't know, a 59-minute guide to asking or something like that. But let me get let me know if, if there's something out there that competes with the best sales books in the world on this, but I just haven't seen it. So what do I want to talk about with sales? I mean, there, there's so many different things we can go down. But one of the things I want to get clear is that people just have this gut reaction. When you say the word sales or salesman or salesperson, they just go, ugh, disgusting. They're thinking of the negative experiences they've had with salespeople. 
And of course, we've all had those experiences. There are slimy salespeople that use terrible tactics, that use pressure and uh, you know try to guilt you into decisions. That's horrible. We never want to do anything like that in fundraising. But what do we want to do? I want to talk about sales done well. Sales is just, you know, I, I was talking about this with one of my one of my clients who had a long career in sales, and he told me, you know, one of the things he tells people is, you know how, you know that saying, like a great salesman can sell ice to an Eskimo. And then, you know, people are like, yeah, yeah, we know that, man, that salesman's so awesome. And my client was saying, no, that's a terrible salesman. A great salesman finds out what the client needs and then is able to provide them with a solution. If you're selling something that someone doesn't need that isn't a benefit for them, that is not sales. It's just as far from sales as we would say that the nonprofit that essentially steals money from its donors to go on you know extravagant cruises uh, and spends you know all of the money on extravagance and nothing goes towards a mission. That's you know that bad example of sales is no more sales than that bad example of fundraising. So let's not look at the worst case examples. So let's look at the best case. I'm going to give you guys a real-world example. My dad is one of eight children. When my dad was eight years old, his father passed away very suddenly. Now, fortunately, uh, that family of eight children with my grandmother left behind to take care of them was able to make it. Uh, time, you know, it was It was tight, but they were able to make it because my grandfather had a life insurance policy. Now, I don't know this. I haven't talked to anyone in my family about it, but I can almost guarantee you it was a salesperson who picked up the phone or wrote a letter or however he did it. He scheduled a meeting with my grandfather, and he said, and he found out about him. He found out you've got eight kids. You need life insurance. You need it very badly. And so he probably found out kind of what kind of income he made, stuff like that. And then he presented him with a policy and he said yes. And thank God that that salesman picked up the phone and had the guts to potentially get rejected and told, don't bother me, don't you ever call me again. Because that forever changed his legacy in my family. And so thank God for that salesman. I am deeply grateful for any salesperson who has that, again, I don't know what actually happened. But what I do know is that there are people out there who are selling a product, who are doing sales, and are so motivated, not because they want to make a lot of money. That, that only gets you so far. But a truly great life insurance salesman, somebody that is going to excel for a whole career, the reason he's picking up the phone Part of it is to make money, but the real motivation, because that only goes so far, the real motivation is because he's thinking about that guy who's got eight kids, who doesn't have a life insurance policy, because nobody's ever told him this is important, and I, I hate to be the one to bring it up, but stuff happens, disasters happen, tragedies happen, and you need to have this policy. And so that's why I'm calling you to schedule a meeting so I can understand more about you and see if this is a good fit. People like that inspire me. I am 
I am blown away at the number of sales professionals that I meet that are so amped up about their company, about their mission, about what they're trying to bring to this world, that they're willing to get rejected, that they're willing to make 50 phone calls in a day if that's what it takes. This is why I'm saying nonprofit fundraisers need to learn from sales professionals because sales professionals have that drive and you can see it in the level of excellence they bring to the table, in the level of of excitement that the teams have to see each other win, to see deals get closed. And and quite frankly, salespeople, if they don't perform, they get fired or they have to leave because they're 100% commission and it's a waste of their time. In the nonprofit world, it is all too frequent that somebody can have even a six-figure paying job and they just sit behind their desk and they check email all day and then they go to the staff meeting and then they go and talk to you know one of their colleagues down the hall and then it's quitting time and they go home and they never called a single person to schedule a visit. I'm not just making this up. This is, I know this for a fact. I've seen it in the industry. I promise you it's happening with organizations that you know about. What I'm trying to do here is for the people that can hear this, that can say, I want to change. I want to help you get the confidence to start getting out there and shaking the bushes and getting rejected and realizing that's okay. Because what you need to realize is that if there's a salesperson out there who's doing something to drive a mission of a company forward, and for him, maybe it's just a paycheck. If just a paycheck is enough reason for him to pick up the phone and get rejected and make a hundred phone calls in a day to schedule appointments, why in the world, if you are here to save lives, to save souls, to transform the way people will live forever, getting them out of poverty and doing the most noble work on earth, you're not willing to pick up the phone to schedule a visit. We need to have so much more passion for what we're doing. It doesn't matter what your case for support looks like. It doesn't matter what your financial position's like. It doesn't matter what clothes you wear, what car you're driving, who's on your board, who's running the organization. All of that stuff is nonsense and worthless if you won't pick up the phone, schedule a visit, and go have a conversation with the type of person who wants to make a meaningful difference in this world. Another difference I've seen in sales professionals versus major gift fundraisers. In my seven years, I have seen a lot of people come and go from different positions in this field. I have never seen one of them say, the reason I'm not in that position is because I did a terrible job and I'm really not good at fundraising and I could have done better. You know, I I didn't pick up the phone. I I didn't have a full pipeline. I've never heard anyone ever say that, ever. It's always someone else's fault. Sometimes boards don't have good expectations. There's not good expectations. That is real, okay? But more often than not, like why is it never the fundraiser's fault? Why is it never that the person who sat on their butt for six months and never picked up the phone, why isn't it their fault? I I, I don't understand why nobody could admit that like I did a terrible job. Like <laughs> I I... I just see so much of it's always somebody else's fault in the fundraising world. Look, I know. I I get it, guys. I know there are some of you who have been wronged by your board, who have been wronged by your leader. I totally get that. I'm not minimizing that. I fully understand it. 
But what I'm saying is, why have I never heard someone say, I screwed up? Compare that to the sales world. I know several sales professionals who got fired and they've just told me, yeah, I got fired. I wasn't doing a good job. I wasn't hitting my numbers. I wasn't making enough calls. I just, you know, I don't know what it was, but I couldn't, I just wasn't succeeding there. And so it wasn't a good fit. It's like, man, that is so honorable to just say like, I didn't do a good job. It wasn't the right company for me. I wasn't fully aligned with the mission. I didn't understand this part of the process. That's that's amazing. Like, <laughs> salespeople have ownership. It's not always somebody else's fault. And of course, it's not always the case. But I see it more in sales professionals because I think it's the culture they live in. Oh, another thing I find interesting, this is just a random thought, but every sales professional I've ever met, they are who are like really good, who are kicking butt, making like high six figures or seven figures, they love all of their clients. They're super relational. And they always tell me when I meet them, yeah, you're in fundraising, you're in sales too. They all think that. Every every high-performing sales professional I know says, yeah, fundraising is, you're in sales. But for some reason, every fundraiser, so many fundraisers are just like, no, 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 it's not sales. So I found that there's just this this immediate distaste that some fundraisers have towards sales. They think it's dirty. I don't I don't really understand that. I know there's bad examples, but there's plenty of bad examples of fundraisers who uh, don't do a good job with their benefactors. So I hope this episode was valuable to you guys. I hope you have a very merry Christmas and look forward to talking to you all soon. That was a Kevin Fitzpatrick solo episode of One Visit Away. If you found this episode valuable, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to stay up to date on the show, please like One Visit Away on Facebook. You can also connect with me, Kevin Fitzpatrick, on LinkedIn. I post a lot of stuff there pretty much every day, trying to help you guys schedule more visits and close more gifts. I think you'll find it valuable. If you do connect with me on LinkedIn, just send me a little message and let me know you've been listening to the show. I love uh, connecting with people who are gaining value from this podcast and look forward to seeing you on LinkedIn. I hope this episode has inspired you to go schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from growing your mission and your impact.